This episode of In My Head is brought to you by Anchor. Hey everyone, my name is Brody, your favorite friendly neighborhood photographer, podcaster, and now Twitcher. Yes, I play video games, sometimes backwards, sometimes wrong. And if you want to follow my adventures, you can follow me on twitch.com slash kidbrody. And that's have an adventure together. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into my head. Um, as I said previously, this episode is going to be um, pretty much circling around toxic relationships. Now, that's a broad statement, but it goes with everything. You know, family, friends, relationship, whatever. As long as you have that relationship title, it can be toxic. Um, and this week, I actually have a guest with me. The one and only Fonz is here. Hello, hello, mate. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, he actually was here, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Two weeks ago. And I was like, when you come back, we should definitely record. He was like, I am down yeah. and I won't forget my switch. Yeah. And I didn't forget my switch. <laughs> me and my switch are both here. So after this, we're probably going to play a little bit of video games. <laughs> no, did not forget my switch. It's here. It's definitely here. Um, because, and I wanted to have him on because we've both had our fair share of toxic relationships, whether it's when we dated or, <laughs> or someone um, who we called a friend um, who just decided to uh, stab us in the back. So I was like, you know what? He needs to be here for this. And I, I actually started to record yesterday, and I recorded like 20 minutes, and I was like, let me delete that. <laughs> <laughs> let me wait. Let me delete that. Let me <laughs> let me actually call Fox right now. And then I called you, and you were like, I'm out, but yeah, I'm down. Yeah, I was, I was having like, drinks. I, was like, Where? <laughs> I heard. I was like, where is he? And I'm like, that's like drinks in the background. I was like, Michael Tuesday. I hear clinking <laughs> the glasses. But um, let's do this first. Tell the people a little about you, who you are, what you do, where you're from. Okay. Um, my name is Alfonso Francois, um, but I've shortened it, abbreviated it, if you will, to Alphonse uh, Frank. So that's like my pen name, kind of just what I go by. Um, everyone knows me as Fonz. I am a content creator, um, mostly by way of writing. And so um, writing prose, writing poetry, writing short stories, um, working on screenplays, um, anything I can really lend my pen to um, is what I feel like I specialize in. So writing is my conduit to a lot of other avenues of creation. Um, and by day, I guess that's what I do by night, by day, <laughs> I work <You're> in... <laughs> All right, I'm Batman. Um by day, I work in, in production, entertainment production. So um, I'm working on a show called Tuning Out the News, which is on CBS. Um, it's actually released. Um, episodes Wait, are released. you said CBS? CBS. Like the network? Like the network. Like the television? Like the television. Okay. Because I, <laughs> I hear CBS. I'm like, CBS? Or is it CBNS? Or like, no, CBS. So yeah, I'm always like, what? <laughs> <laughs> nope, but it's it's on CBS. Um, episodes come out on YouTube. They're relative, relatively short, um, and it's animated 
political satire. So it's really digestible, um, informative bits, um, news stories crammed into, I want to say maybe 10 minute segments. Um, but it's really funny. So it's infused with a lot of comedy. So it, it kind of, like you explaining that, it kind of reminds me of the adventures of Awkward Black Girl by mm-hmm. Issa Rae. Mm-hmm. So when you when, when you explain that, it's kind of, it. my mind goes there. Yeah. Because yeah. like, you know, it's animated. Hers wasn't animated. Hers was just her, but yeah. still. In terms of like... Um, Concept-wise. Just, yeah, concept-wise. And like just bringing... I think with, with, with our generation and when it comes to news um, or just extremely important topics in general, um, we tend to take things in better with a little bit of humor. Um, and so I noticed that is what tuning falls into like this this uh, trend of um, if you look at Stephen Colbert, if you look at um, the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, or even before when it was Sean Stewart, he's very like, cute. <laughs> he's very cute. I love him. Um, it's always it's always news delivered to you with some funny, and so. Um, it's a really creative way to talk about things that are otherwise um, very traumatic, very stressful. You guys smell that? Yeah, it's called, (laughs) it smells like money. That's what it smells like. It smells like (laughs) money in this room. I mean, hey, you know, if I could do what I love and get paid for it, and entertainment is definitely what I love. It's the industry that I love. Um, Where I would like to be is, you know, helming my own production company and like spearheading in, uh, a lot of different visual projects from tv to film to even video games i mean like, all i have to say is if you <laughs> wake up one day and be like i'm moving to california just know <laughs> i will be somewhere within your suitcase yeah <laughs> and i'm like i'm coming with <laughs> everybody has been at this point yeah it, moving to california has been like against my like it's it's not really something that I want to do. I don't really see myself living on the West Coast. I see myself visiting every so often, but I do know the nature of, you know, just this industry and when it comes to the creative side of, you know, just entertainment, it's a lot of the writers rooms are over there. A lot of you know what I mean? Really important studio lots are over there. Um, and so you can't really, I don't want to say can't, because I really am trying to make this a reality for me, not necessarily conforming to what the trend is and moving to geographical spaces where it's popular to be right. this type of person. Like, I really love the East Coast. I love New York. I love Brooklyn. It's my home. And so if I can make it work here... You love it until it's cold. You know what I mean? I love I I, I love it even (laughs) when it's cold. I love it even when it's cold. I've been I've been so many different places, but like New York is just home. And so yeah, like making making my career pop off there is what I'm in the midst of doing. And so until I hit a wall and I just can't, then maybe I'll move to California. But I'm (laughs) making it work right now. Palm trees. That's all. (laughs) That's it. But, but yeah, that's falling in a nutshell. And yes. like honestly, the topic we're about to get into, it's gonna expose how we 
ended up being like extremely <laughs> cool. Like Franz is really like my little brother. Like yes. we we talk if not every day, every other day, and it's always something new. Yeah. But again, when we start talking about the whole topic of the day, it's gonna dive into how we got so close. <laughs> so with you know that being said, we'll take a quick break and be back with the other half of the show. And we're back like bra straps. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, genuinely, if you if you if you ever been in a toxic relationship, you may recognize some of these signs in your life, or you know, with your partner or relationship, friendship, whatever. You might recognize a lot of these triggering uh, signs, and also trigger warning: if anything that we are speaking about today triggers you, please turn off the episode and seek help. With that being said, um, one of the like sheer signs of toxic relationships is lack of support, um, which I think a lot of people have gone through that or have witnessed it or been in the shoes where it's like you have all these dreams, goals, and aspirations and the other person is not supportive at all of what you want to do. Like, how does that make one feel is the question, you know? And genuinely, you want to seek out, like, why your partner, your friend, or your family member doesn't, doesn't support that. Right. And most of the time, you jump down a rabbit hole. Right. Um, I know for myself, when I wanted to do photography, um, I didn't have support from my family. Um, the only person in my family who supported me was my grandma, and she still does to this to this day. Um, everyone else was against me. Everyone else was like, oh, you can't make a living out of that. You need to get a real job and all this other stuff. And then when I moved here to Atlanta and I proved everyone wrong, that's when everyone started to like, you know what I mean? be receptive of what I was doing. Right. I want to be understanding. You need to see it. Yeah. So like for you, Fonz, where, where does that fall align with you? It's so strange. I was talking to someone yesterday um, about a particular endeavor that I am in the grassroots stages of pursuing. Um, and that's like that. and that's music. <laughs> so like I'm in the very beginning stages of like pursuing music the way I really want to, and the way I really want to pursue music is putting actual music out. But there's you know recording processes you have to book certain spaces you have to you know uh, contact certain people producers engineers stuff like that and so it's all. There's a bunch of different moving parts to this. Um, but I was saying, <clears throat> sorry, I was saying that the biggest limitation in this entire process and possibly in my entire life when it comes to trying to pursue new things that I'm passionate about has been me. And I don't really have, I haven't really heard too many no you can't in your life. In my life, um, I've definitely gotten a little bit of it from family members when it comes to writing, you know, but it's, it's always been in the small yet noticeable ways. 
you know what I'm saying? Like telling people I was really interested in creative writing and then they like politely suggest <laughs> something else. Well, what about this? It's what always the that? polite. You know what I mean? And But even even as a, a kid, you know what I mean? I always know when to write. Um, but even as a kid, I could pick up on that disapproval. Mm-hmm. And even as a kid, I would pick up on that lack of support. And so it affected me the same way. Yeah. But ultimately, I knew I was going to do whatever I wanted. And I knew that um you know just with some people doesn't make it okay but with some people especially family members they need to see yeah before they believe you know what i mean that they need to know for sure they need proof that the reward is worth the risk um, that you're taking and so um i was confident that that was going to happen but you know things didn't pop off as immediately as they should have um, in hindsight, but it was always because I just wasn't putting enough of my time and effort into it. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, and, and it's it's so crazy because, like, we both come, we both come from, like, that Trinidadian household where it's like, oh, yeah. listen, <laughs> you either have to be one of five things, yeah. a doctor, a lawyer, something this, this, it's like, we don't, it's like, when people talk about, like, Asian homes, Asian households, and how Asian parents be like, are you a doctor? Are you a lawyer? Are you a dentist? Mm-hmm. Are you this? Are you that? We go through that yeah. because they 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 struggled so much that they don't want us to struggle, and it's yeah. kind of like you have to give us a space to create what we need to create to be happy. Yeah, it's very important, especially when it comes to family, like nurturing the things that people are passionate about. Um, For sure. Of course, you don't want anyone to get misguided, but in the grand scheme of things, are are we ever really like on track? You know what I mean? Like we're always trying to figure out what the hell it is that we want to do in life. And we only really determine a person is misguided by our own set of like standards and, and codes and morals and ethics and stuff like that. And so I take a lot of the wayward sort of like parenting and guardianship um, that I've experienced growing up and I try to apply it. I'm not even a parent yet, but I try to apply it. You are a doggy daddy. Well, I'm a dog dad. So shout out to Aspen, my baby. She's six months old. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm also an uncle, you know what I mean? And so like when it comes to that. I have you know, two twin nieces <laughs> who just turned six, Ari and Noel. Um, you know, Ari, she really, really loves like girly things. She she's a super fast runner. So I'm pretty sure at some point, hopefully, I don't know, she might be interested in track, but her sister expresses interest in basketball. Okay. And I, I think that's so cool. Like she really loves things that are traditionally considered boyish you know what i mean or masculine or whatever but her mom so not to cut you off but i just learned a new term the other day this guy was um on a live and he was like you know what's crazy he was like we as men can't be like oh i'm a tomboy Mm -hmm. because i'm rough but what do we use for terms where like we as men like the softer things like Mm -hmm you know, getting our feet done and our nails done and like all this other stuff. And he was like, you know what? He said, you know what I am? He was like, he said, I'm a Tom girl. And I was like, 
Shut the fuck up. I think whatever you want to call it. I was like, like, I love it. Whatever label you want to slap onto it, it's absolutely your business. But I think the most important thing is having that opportunity to explore the yes. things that you like. Yes. And not having people tell you that this is for anybody else or that you shouldn't do this because of whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many things. If we really wanted to shove ourselves into a bunch of boxes, we would... And like, wouldn't be happy. We wouldn't at be all. happy people, you know what I mean? And so, really giving kids that opportunity to say, This is what I want to do, this is what I think I want to do. Like, let me, you know what I mean? We, as the adults in their lives, try to, should try to nurture that. We should try to foster that and encourage it and fortify it as much as we want. And you know what? If, if things change for them, it changes for them. I think that's a very good point. I think that, you know, we as parents, uncles, gunkles, God, you know, uh, God, fathers, God, mothers, whatever, whatever we are, we need to support and nurture that because, you know, they will grow up with that lack of support and not know why, you know, it was it it wasn't there, or they might grow up with like resentment, like, well, you didn't support me when I wanted to do this or do that. Um, but yeah, I think there are all good points that you made. I actually, I definitely agree with all of them. Um, so we're going to go to the next one, which is toxic communication. Now, I don't think I, I'm lying. <laughs> Not you clocking your lie before you even It hit me. It. Um, no, it hit me immediately. Mm-hmm. Because I was about to say, I've never experienced that. But yes, I have experienced toxic communication and it does not feel good. It makes you feel like questionable. Like you have to question yourself. Yeah. Um, like I had a really good friend of mine. I we're not friends anymore, and you know I was I would always like and it's crazy because like it goes hand in hand with lack of support. Mm-hmm. Like I would express things to him like oh like I want to do a podcast or I want to do this or I want to do that and he would be like well I don't think you should do that like I don't think you are equipped to do that or and it's kind of like the words and the the way he was phrasing and wording his 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 sentences and paragraphs were very toxic because he was basically tearing me down verbally, but also hand in hand, lack of support. So he wasn't supportive of my of my dreams or goals, but he tore me down so I wouldn't like achieve a level of success, if you want to say that, I'm using the air quotes, that he could not reach himself. And it's more so like, so you weren't able to achieve the success you wanted for yourself and you saw that someone else was going to do it for themselves and you felt inferior maybe. Mm-hmm. So you just had to tear me down mm-hmm. and not support me. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's, it, I always say, well, I don't always say this. I'm lying. Um, <laughs> but I'm thinking now, what would my, like, what would my determination look like? What would my um, ambition more so look like if I really did hear a lot of those direct no's that other people have heard? Um, because I know how to sort of like curve the subtle yeah. denials and rejections and yeah. stuff like that that I've heard and sometimes still hear. But for the most part, I think... I think for me, I can recognize what toxic communication is, even when it's subtle. Um, And so taking stuff like that with a grain of salt is especially important. And 
when you're on the receiving end of toxic communication, um, especially when it comes to lack of support, it's important that, and it's hard to sort of establish this because we're super vulnerable with people we love and people we trust, but having, Fuck them kids. I'm just, having <laughs> just, I guess, like a line of defense, if you will, um, and just like having a certain, having your confidence established oh, yes. in what you can do, you know what I mean? Regardless of who may say no, who may say not today, who may say not right now, or maybe later, having that confidence established so that if you do hear no, not today, maybe later, sometime in the future, it doesn't deter you yeah. in any way, shape or form. But it also makes you like a go getter because it makes you be yeah. like, "Oh, you think I can't do this? Watch yeah. me go do it." That's why I say I feel like I've I've been my biggest limitation because can't nobody tear me down the way I've torn myself down. Facts. No one. Big facts. And in in all honesty, I feel like like really, um, like vicious speech, like people. It, I feel like that would have an adverse effect on me because mm. I know naturally when I feel like I'm underestimated, I get so confident and I get so like almost like cocky. Like that's okay, a good feeling though, because it's like who I am and what I can do. Right. So like you know, like I just really putting the proof in in my you know in in the context of my life, like putting my proof in the pen, but. Just putting the proof in wherever, wherever the hell. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. You really have the proof in your passion. Just put the proof in your passion, um, and letting that manifest. But toxic communication. In a nutshell, it's in just. In a nutshell, whew. it is a huge deterrent. <laughs> it's a huge deterrent, and it's um, it can be very handicapping. Oh yes, people. very. You know I mean, especially very. if you are confiding in someone that whose opinion matters so much to you more than mm. your own. Yes. A no from them is like a full stop for you. A shot in the face. So like you have to you have to have established for yourself that you can do this. And if you're really determined to do it, do it. Yeah. So rolling right along here, <laughs> it's gonna get darker and deeper. I'm just letting you guys know. Um the next one is my favorite of all because I have so many, I've had so many runs with this. Like, again, family-wise, relationship-wise, like, all in between. Jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh you just <laughs> Like, if you guys can't, if you guys can see the face he made, when I said he laughed and, like, looked to the left like, shit. Uh. So, with me and, like, my runners with jealousy, it it spreads so thick because I am the black sheep in my family. Um, I graduated college early. Not college, I'm sorry, high school. I graduated college, uh, high school early and went to college early. And people in my family were very against me because I only had one class in high school. So I was going to English uh, four, and then I had two jobs. I worked at Hollister and PacSun at the same time. I was Hollister, I worked at Hollister too. <laughs> right, so. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> so it's like, why would you, as my family, like just kick me like that repeatedly when I'm not out here selling drugs, I'm not doing any type of 
you know, hood rat shit. I'm working two jobs and finishing high school. And when I finished my early college courses, I took a year off from school mm-hmm. and just worked and focused on like my photography. And then I actually left um, both of my jobs to just find myself. Mm-hmm. But with that, it was still jealousy. It was people in my family talking about me. Um, I wasn't being invited to things. Um, like my mother, like completely like alienated me from everyone. Um, and it was more so like, wow, like I, I'm the breadwinner here. Like I've paid everything from light bills to rent mm-hmm. and you're treating me like this. Yeah. And I had to sit with myself and realize that they didn't like the choices I made or I were making. Mm-hmm. And what really hit me was that my grandfather, one day my grandfather, um, came into the computer room because I would go to their house and use the computer and edit photos on a Windows Dell computer. Let me tell you, <laughs> I've come a long way. And one day he came into he came into the computer room and he was like, um, I don't know why you're in here pretending to do things on the computer um, and taking these photographs with this camera you need to get a real job and be a real man and put food on the table for yourself and just the traditional shit. And without missing a beat, I looked this man dead in his face and I said, you don't know anything about me. If you took a second or a moment to just look at my work, you would see how good I am. Most people have to go to college for years to be as good as I am. Mm -hmm. I'm gifted. Mm -hmm without touching any textbook, Mm -hmm. I'm gifted. And you have no idea how gifted I am. Mm -hmm. And he told me, and I remember like yesterday, he told me, blatant to my face, I don't care how gifted you are, find a job. And I told him, this is my job. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, literally, I think two weeks later after that whole incident, I got hired to work with this modeling agency in New York. So I was traveling back and forth from New York to Baltimore. And then they moved me into the model's home rent-free. So it's like, it came full circle, but it was let, but again, it's full circle. Lack of support, toxic communication, and then jealousy. Like it all goes hand in hand. And he really tore me a new asshole, but I wasn't about to sit there and take it. Yeah, I think when it comes, in black families, Especially because I can only speak from like, my perspective, um, <laughs> like in our life experiences. But for some, for a lot of reasons, a multitude of reasons that we could really go into one by one and dissect and just trace back um, so far. But the standards of excellence are almost unrealistically high mm-hmm. um, for a lot of. Black parents, um, and it doesn't matter where, you know what I mean, within the diaspora you fall, where within, you know what I mean, geographically you fall as a Black person. Um, Growing up in a household with parents who expected you to be 
so much more than what the environment, their parenting, their financial resources could really foster you and help you be. Those standards were still set in stone mm-hmm. and you had to meet them. Yeah. So if you're not hitting every single check mark, you could be bringing home money. You could be, you know what I mean, not on the street. You could not be doing all of the, you know, societally considered bad things. Um, but if you're still not what their picture perfect ideal exactly. is, then you're still failing. But one thing, you know, you made clear, which is exactly what I was talking about, establishing for yourself a sense of confidence that no matter where the vitriol came from, friend, foe, family, you know what I mean? Like it didn't have the effect on you that was probably intended. And so you were still able to, within that, you know what I mean? Really toxic communication, that lack of support and that jealousy, you were able to persevere. And that's a lot, that's that's a lot to say, you know what I'm saying, for, a black queer artist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We don't have it like that. Like, get, I don't know how, I don't know how to frame it. Like, we get shitted on a lot. We get shitted on. And so, um, a lot, but a lot of people don't have that experience, unfortunately. And so, comments like that from people as influential and, impact, and impactful um, as a dad, granddad, uncle, uh, godfather, whoever, like, it really just puts a hard stop to their hopes and dreams. And we don't need to, that does, that should not happen for little black boys. It shouldn't happen for little queer black. It just, it shouldn't happen for any of us. Um, yeah. You want a little real, but the gag is the gag. The gag is my cousin is a famous photographer, right? So like one day he came to my grandparents house and I was upstairs on the computer editing photos or whatever. Do you know that my grandfather went downstairs in the fucking basement, pulled out hella fucking like negatives and photographs and all types of shit, his old camera. I knew nothing of this man Mm -hmm. doing photography, nothing. He never disclosed that to me. We never had a conversation. So to hear him tell my cousin, you know, oh yeah, I used to take my, my camera everywhere with me and snap photos and sell them to the newspaper and the oh. yeah, the the newspaper and the um the news stations and da 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 and they would pay me and I was like, What? Like you never told me any of this. You just told me three weeks ago that I'm a bum. <laughs> it just that just kind of feels like projection then. Like it, it was full on projection. Projection. Whatever failed dream whatever he had. Dream he had was clearly taken off for you and it still wasn't enough for him to see that because you were within his household and because you're within his household you gotta buy by their rules, you know how that shit goes. It, yes. Like yes. it just it's just it's a bad cycle that you know, a lot of that older generation has a lot of, like, they need to unlearn. They have a lot like, of, like, baggage. They need to let it go. has to go both ways. Most definitely. And, um, you know, there's more than just five career paths out there for your child to choose. Say and it again, because, Choice is the, uh, like, that's the main word here. Like, 
really encouraging the the young people in your life to choose. You know what I mean? That's that's super important. Jesus. <laughs> but um, we're going to take a quick break and be back with the rest of the show. Stay tuned. Phones ain't going nowhere. No. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> So we're moving right along. The next is going to be controlling behaviors. Now, this is where <laughs> the story gets interesting. This is this starts the turning point of how me and Franz met right here. <laughs> the turn, the tipping point. Um, so I'll let Franz go first on this one. <laughs> I mean, but... <laughs> How, like what, what had happened was behavior. What had Am happened? I speaking on like examples of control behavior? Oh yes. I mean, look. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Y'all cannot see. I'm at a point in my the life. The stress that just like manifested itself because he's. It's, not, it's just like you know when you're talking about things, you have to sort of relive it, revisit, relive yeah. it exactly. But um. You know, my experience with controlling behavior, um, I am by nature, and I'm not proud of this, like, I can be very headstrong, um, but when it comes to relationships and, like, romantic interests, I notice about myself, I can be very meek. And so when it comes to the wrong kinds of lovers and boyfriends and, and things like that, um, that is the perfect opportunity to be, you know, manipulative and try to manipulate control and manipulate a lot of things. Um, so my experience with um, control and behavior reared its ugly head, you know, when I was dating a certain person. Um, and I struggled for a long time with calling myself a victim because I never wanted to appear or even make myself feel like there were any, that there were any things that I couldn't do. But the reality of it is I experienced a lot that was outside of my control. Um, I know that I contributed to a very toxic relationship, toxic romantic relationship by enabling it. And that in and of itself is very toxic behavior. Um, but, you know, perpetuating it was on the other person because I was always very solution oriented. I was always very communicative. I was always very trying to be very understanding, but I was dealing with someone who just was not capable of doing any. Um, and at any given time, you just, you, you never know who you would be waking up to, who you'd be talking to. And so um, starting to love someone romantically who just is not good for you, um, you know, it's, it's a reflection of low self-esteem. I say that from experience, you know, um, and then you have 
really insidious way, like insidious messages that have just insidious effects. And, <laughs> and it just kind of like sinks into your mind. And so one example of that is, you know, I, I dated someone like that's what we're talking about. Um, and love for him. Jeez. Very, <laughs> love for him was like this tragic poetry type of like love. And he would say things to me like, would you die for me? And would you do this? Like, it would always have to be very drastic and very like, yeah. It was, wait, it was just wait, very... wait, 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 <laughs> wait, 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 you're driving too fast. <laughs> you're, you're driving too fast. Wait, he said, wait, I did not know he said yeah, that. Yeah, so I mean, so it was just but it was it was something where i i could see like like you are a person who has not experienced the right kind of like n- emotional nourishment like I, and even if you have it was too late because you you've already sort of embedded a chaotic type of love so i have a question ask multiple questions because when hmm let me make sure i'm wording this the way it sounds in my head because <laughs> sometimes words come out the wrong way so you know he was you know being like and but he was basically embodying like a love that he so thought he so thought was what he wanted in his head mm-hmm. and he would do things mm-hmm. we both know mm-hmm. my thing is this when he and i spoke and he was saying all of the right things but his actions were showing all the wrong mm-hmm. things yeah. so it's like it's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Absolutely. So it's like the Dr. Jekyll in you is like, let's do all the right things. Well, the Mr. Hyde is like, let me just do all the wrong things and I give a yeah, fuck. It, it's just a walking contradiction. So it got to the point where like, I gravitated towards Fonz because I saw myself within him and I needed to protect him. That was the whole thing. That's what a lot of people thought. <laughs> and I said, and I told Fonz straight up, I said, uh, I told him this is what we talked about. He's being very manipulative. He's being very controlling yeah. because I, I said he, I said he's doing something that he shouldn't be doing and he's projecting it onto oh, you. And, and like I said, being a, a very meek person, dating a very like, dominant and manipulative person um that's the perfect recipe for an emotionally abusive relationship and so you have things like projection going on and you know when you're on the receiving end of it or just in my situation in from my perspective i was aware that it was just a lot of like heightened it was just like always heightened tense sort of like arguments and it would always be about things that we could have either spoken about calmly or didn't even need to be an issue at all 
And so I, I, I always knew underneath all of the like shouting and shit that it was, we really do not need to be doing this. Like, why are we doing this? But I still felt like, because I love this person and because this person is like really talking to me harshly, you know what I mean? It, it's only because they love me and they want me to understand their perspective. So let me try to understand their perspective. And then it just became me justifying shitty, toxic ass, abusive ass behavior. So yeah, so like in the mix of everything, like what was the moment where you really pretty much just had your breaking point? You're like your JLo moment where you was just like, I'm done. I'm this I've had enough. <laughs> so I haven't had um I've I haven't had that kind of moment, that quintessential like turning point. Um which is probably the one thing that still sits with me that I need to work through. Um, it was just a lot, it, it just became, it came to a point where it was like so much disrespect happening within such a small frame of time that it was just like every day, multiple times a day, it was something new to the point where like, I literally had no choice but to just leave, you know? Um, and I want to make it clear that what I mean by like not having that quintessential moment, usually there is some sort of retaliation. Like there was no retaliation on my end. I didn't get a chance to have that like visceral human necessary like outpour of emotions. It was just, this is so heavy. Either I'm gonna snap or I need to just get out of this situation. And so I chose to just relinquish myself a friend um, help me out and it's been friends, you know what I mean? Helping me out emotionally and in so many other ways since then. Um, but I was dealing with the person and in hindsight, it would, he would have absolutely deserved that kind of like response. Like some people to just be very blunt need sometimes worse treatment. They're ass whipped. You, you know what I mean? They and like, they're ass whipped. It, it just, it, it, he knew, he knew there's a saying that my mom says, Trinidadian phrase, monkey know what tree to climb. Like, you know, you know who to try, you know what, like, you just know what situations you can take all of your nastiness and profit off of it. Listen, I haven't you heard know that what I mean? in so long. Like, but it's true. Like they but know. With me, with me, I was the perfect tree to climb because it was it was always like I'm I'm going to take the things that you're saying to me that I don't deserve to hear and filter through all of that nastiness and see that this is a person who's hurt. This is a person who, you know, maybe just needs to be listened to. This is a per- and you don't deserve that kind of understanding. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You deserve from the very beginning for me to turn my back on you and play you and you know what I mean do all of the things that anybody in their right mind would have done like who is going to sit for as long as I did and deal with something like withstand that. all of that nastiness and I'm glad that I have friends like you and you know what I mean other friends who have seen this you know what I mean in action I was the only person advocating for him after a short, you know what I mean? A short amount of time. Um, And it didn't feel good because I knew better, but I still 
felt like, okay, I just, he needs the opportunity to get other people to show that he's this good person. And, but it's never happened. He's not, you know, and, and I'm just want to say now, I'm not in a bad space. I'm not in a bad place. Oh, no. Obviously, certain things have a lingering effect, but you know what I mean? People are dealing with so much from years and years and years back. Um, but I'm in a much better space. I don't have any ill will or ill intention. Listen, y'all, this man... But it is a very fucked up situation. This man said, I'm going to fuck back to New York, and I'm getting to the money. Fuck what you heard. Yeah. And he got to the money. And I kept telling him, I said... <laughs> Do it, but that's what go I mean for when it. I say, yeah, that's what I mean when I say, like, even in that situation, yes, he was very, you know, what I mean? he just was not the right person for me. He was very emotionally <gasps> abusive. You just reminded me of trying to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna make a statement, but also at the same time, like, the love language was two different languages. Like, he was speaking Portuguese and you were speaking French, it was two different languages. I can't even, like, he just was not speaking, he wasn't speaking any sort of language or dialect. He wasn't even speaking in an accent that could be translated. Like, oh, misinterpreted. There are some people in this world who are so delusional oh my God, that yes. they're, they're deep within that state of delusion that whatever they're experiencing as their reality, if no one else abides by that reality, you are the enemy. And that sucks. Yeah, it sucked to have realized that. Still tried to exist within his world, but tried to get him to see that there's so much more beyond trauma and pain and chaos. You know what I mean? There are different healthy ways to deal with it, and I can be by your side throughout that. Like I can love you despite and because of all of those things. But no, like I, I had to be an emotional punching bag, and like that was not. Yeah, it was too That's much. That's not a language I'm not. Tr- I'm trying to learn. <laughs> no, I love, like, I'm so subtle. Like my love languages. That's are, not a language I want to learn. Words of affirmation and physical touch. Just talk to me nice and touch me a little bit. And like <laughs> he said, rub my back. You know what I mean? He like, said, talk to me talk nice. Talk to me nice, like because I I know how to communicate. I know I'm not perfect, but like I know how to communicate, and I know especially how to communicate to people I love. And I know I'm always going to know how to communicate to the person that I am romantically involved with saying yeah. I love you too, want to spend my life with, I'm having sex with you. Like it's, I know how to do that. My love language from now on is talk to me nice, <laughs> period. Talk to me nice. That's and it. That's applicable in any type of relationship, friendship, family, you know what I mean? Romance, professional, like mm-hmm. just talk to me nice. Um. So on that note, we're going to do one more. Um, and then we're going to come to the conclusion of this episode. But the last one I want to do is uh, resentment. Mm. So throughout everything that you have been through, mm-hmm. I want you to take a moment and think, do you have any lingering resentment for anything or any situation or for anyone that has wronged you in the past. Now, it could be someone who you have forgiven and moved past, but then there there is still lingering resentment. Like, damn, like I don't understand why this happened, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, I'll go first to give you time to think. So for me, um, I have, yeah, I do have some lingering resentment um, only because 
the friendship that I had with someone um, was very precious to, uh, to me. Mm-hmm. Um, this person was the only friend I had at one point because I moved here with nothing. You know, my cousin and, and I, uh, he was here before me. I moved here to, with him, but I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anybody here. I didn't know shit about Atlanta. And we became really good friends. We were like, you know, family members. Honestly, we, we were always together. But it got to a point where, like, he let other people get in his ear. And they started to paint a picture of me to him of what they thought and how they saw me. Mm-hmm. And he adapted to that to that picture that they, uh, they painted. Mm-hmm. And then slowly but surely, he stopped being my friend for reasons unknown to me. Mm-hmm. And... Like he was my he was my best friend, and now we don't even speak anymore. And mm-hmm. I reached out to him, and I talked to him, and I said, "Hey, like, you know, I don't want any kind of like animosity or any kind of resentment towards us." I was like, "I just lost one of my friends who just died from a tragic car accident. I've lost so many of my friends to death. I don't want anything to happen to you, and we never resolved." Or talk about what happened between us. Mm-hmm. And I lied to you not, Franz. This man texted me back or DM me back and said, Oh no, I'm good. And I said, say less. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely had the resentment because it's kind of like, I never did anything wrong to you. I never wronged you any kind of way. Yeah. I've never talked about you or hurt you or put you in any kind of like danger. Never. You know, I loved you and your family way too much to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So for you to just turn your back on me the way you did, mm-hmm. yeah, of course I'm resentful because I never did you wrong mm-hmm. and you just dropped me like a hot plate. To that point, like, and I know this is not a <laughs> give you advice. Oh, no, fine. But <laughs> I like, it's just so important. It's, it's so important to hear as it is to be heard. Um, and I feel like just from what I'm hearing, you did your part in extending that olive branch beyond this disconnect and saying, hey, this is what matters to me most. You know what I mean? Your safety and you know what I mean? All of that, like all of that matters to me more than the fact that we're not speaking right now. It is then on the other person to either accept or, you know what I mean? Yeah, decline. for sure. Don't take that decline as like any reflection of you. And if if it is anything that you might have done or said, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. So like don't let don't let that that resentment manifest into anything bigger. You know what I mean? Sometimes the best way to deal with something when you really can't solve it is to let it go. And that is so hard. Yes. It's so hard. Yes. Because I am in that situation, like with the friend. I've, 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 I have my like residual resentment when it comes to like that relationship that I was speaking on, that romantic relationship. Um, but I have no intentions on reaching out to him, and I don't want him reaching out to me. <laughs> so like, I'm fine. I'm fine letting that go. Um, but there was more recently, like a, a falling out, if you will, between myself and some uh, someone else. Um, we were friends. Um, but a lot of things really surfaced within that one fallout. Um, and sort of like the days, 
leading up to it that just kind of made me want to do things differently in terms of like that friendship and all friendships moving forward. And um, that is like really being intentional on like how I communicate. And so if I feel like as a friend, you're not respecting me, I have to voice that because I can't be meek. Like I said, I usually am. I can't just be complacent and I can't be quiet and just expect things to sort of like work themselves out or iron themselves out because we love each other. No, like love is not enough. Yes. And so um, it was just one of those situations where that that ex-friend felt entitled to know certain things about me that is quite frankly none of his business. Um, and then this friend was like projecting ideas about me and my life that absolutely was like, were not true. And then to make matters worse, um, they were voicing these wrong ass opinions amongst other friends. Like it was like eight of us. Not loud and and wrong. Yes. Very loud and very wrong. And like, it was just like, I need, it just felt like they needed a platform to stand on to sort of like knock me down. And it, it, they try to like package it in this, like, I'm doing this because I love you, but I, I can see, yeah. I've always been able to see through things like that. I just, I'm not, I can't be on the fence about it. I'm almost 30, <laughs> 28, but like, I'm just, I'm getting older is what I mean. And like, I cannot do, I have to be intentional about everything. Yeah, for sure, for and sure. And so a friend, a, an actual friend, her name is Ashley, once said, like, if you're on the fence about me or I'm on the fence about you, we, ain't we be don't have to be friends. Ashley, bitch, you right. <laughs> she, and she, you know what I mean? She she was absolutely right. I cannot be on the fence about anybody in my life. Mm-hmm. And if I'm on the fence about you, we're going to at least have that attempt in talking about it. If we can't talk about it and we come to blows about it and disagree, and that's fine. Yeah. This has lived its course. Correct. So in Correct. terms of like resentment, I have no resentment toward this person. I think what it just showed me was that we don't we just don't need to be friends. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, and that's and that's what I that's the conclusion I came to after the initial DMs. And mind you, the DM that we had that was like I'm gonna say like six months after we haven't been talking. So it was six months of us not talking mm-hmm. that I reached out. But no, I came to that conclusion and like I let it go, but it still is like a lingering kind of feeling there yeah. where it's kind of like every now and again, I'm like, I think about it. Like, damn, like what the fuck happened to us? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you know, and like. I wish I could say the same. Like, I wish I could so be like. So weird. What happened to us? But I know exactly what I know exactly what happened. I can pinpoint where the decline started, and so I think that's why for me there's nothing. I don't feel any like pain or hurt. I'm not yeah. heartbroken, and I know friendship breakups really do like hurt, but this doesn't feel like a friendship breakup because it really. Felt like a one-sided friendship to begin with. Yeah, like and so. and I appreciate you saying that because that's exactly what I was feeling. Is like what you just said. I felt mm-hmm. as though it was a one-sided friendship, and then after it ended, it didn't. I didn't like. I didn't hurt you know like you would with losing someone close to you. It just was like 
oh, they're not here anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then, like, you know, but it's funny because his sisters, both his sisters, are still like friends of mine on like Instagram, yeah. and we talk all the time. So it's just like, what? It ain't, that kinda, ain't that right? Sometimes you don't break up with the whole. Family. Ain't this some bullshit? Just one person. Just one person. <laughs> but um, I definitely had a good time. This talk with Fonz was fun. Like, of course, as always. <laughs> that's when, that's when that's when we're name the episode the talk with Fonz. Oh boy. Um, okay. I hope everyone has a great rest of your week because it's Thursday when you're hearing this. So you're always, you're almost there. You're almost there. Friday is right next door. Just hold on. And then you can shake your ass to thought shit. Yeah. I like that. That's my plan. <laughs> it's Pride, uh, Pride Weekend in New York City. So It is? Mm-hmm. Well, when in doubt, just remember, talk to me nice. <laughs> and I'm out. 